It's time for Climate Thursday. We are joined for this edition of Climate Thursday by our regular guest from Duke's Nicholas Institute. It is Ashley Ward. Ashley, thanks for joining us this afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good. Glad you could join us. And um, you're always busy and you're on the road right now. So I just wondered what you've been up to lately. So I am in Tampa, Florida this week. There is a meeting called the Gulf Coast Alliance. Um, and it was actually formed out of the uh, monies from the big oil spill um, out in the Gulf Coast. And the purpose of this is to bring together um, folks who work on environmental restoration projects and, you know, um, all kinds of ecosystem services um, in the Gulf Coast region. And this year they had some of the first health panels that they've ever had at this conference. And so I'm here as um, a speaker on one of those panels and to check out what else going on in the Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast. That reminds me a little bit of uh, you talking about how it was the first year that COP had had any kind of a health focus as well. Is this a theme that we're seeing kind of across the climate action community? I think so, certainly in certain sectors that have been very focused on um, sort of the specific environmental impacts, whether it's coastal erosion or something like that. And they're um, those same organizations now. Um, we've talked about this before. I think um, talking about health is a great conduit to talking about so many other issues tied to climate change. And not only are they recognizing that, you know, obviously that health is a big part of climate change, but also the benefit of incorporating health into those discussions. Anything else that you've been up to? It's been a couple weeks since the last time we talked. Um, I've had quite a bit of travel lately, and so a lot of it is about, um, you know, just meeting with different stakeholders, um, generating work um, that we've got several proposals going in about different partnerships and work, and it's been very busy time for that right now. Lots of calls for proposals out, as you can imagine. I'm sure it's uh, it's kind of the cyclical nature of, of the way this whole thing works, right? It is. And right now, you know, there's so much, there's so many funding opportunities that are coming down. And just like, you know, organizations like the Gulf Coast Alliance who are starting to think about health in different ways, funders are also starting to think about climate change and health in different ways. So there's a lot of openings right now. And it's all about helping community partners and other stakeholders um, benefit from that, this opportunity. We're visiting with Ashley Ward from Duke's Nicholas Institute, and we've spent a lot of time in the past talking about sort of the evolving role that the insurance industry plays in how we are dealing with the issues of climate change. Um, and kind of adjacent to that is the finance sector. And there's been a little bit of news recently about the finance sector kind of stepping back on some pledges that they'd made um, several years ago. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about kind of what the current state of the the finance sector in, in their addressing of climate change is. Sure. So you're referring to the rollback of J.P. Morgan and um, and State Street out of the Climate 100 Plus, which so that's an international coalition um, of money managers, and the purpose of that coalition is to push big companies to address climate issues. Uh, historically, there's been a lot of strong language in that coalition around specifically engaging with policymakers, 
And so last week, I think it was, J.P. Morgan and State Street um, pulled out. Um, and so I think uh, that did surprise a lot of people. That came to it as a surprise. But I think it also points to how difficult maybe some of those large agreements um, can be in this particular political environment. I mean, ultimately, I think what drove those actions is the fear of a lawsuits. There were some threats, uh, if you want to call them threats, but they really were um, uh, threats of lawsuits over these organizations failing to meet their fiduciary responsibility if they were to <clears throat> comply. Um, and they're also, this comes on the heels of several states, like Texas included, that have recently banned their banks from doing business with firms that are trying to um, disinvest from fossil fuels. And so I think it's become a much more, it's not just about companies making a public statement about their intentions to work toward climate change. Uh, there is concern that there is a real legal, it puts them in real legal jeopardy um, by engaging in the ways in which that particular international coalition was asking them to engage. Um, there's also, of course, recently um, the Climate 100 Plus has asked or sort of been asking their membership to pressure other organizations or corporations like Walmart, for example, to adopt certain policies. So these same money managers, you know, began uh, have are worried, concerned that it would put them on the wrong side of sort of antitrust regulation too. So I think what this boils down to is that ultimately it may mean that sort of public measures like signing documents, signing agreements like this, may not be the way the finance, financial um, sector um, engages on something like this. Um, many of them claim, and I mean, you can, you can believe this or not believe it, that they're moving forward with their own sustainability agendas um, and, and don't need to be part of something like the International Coalition. I think it's too early to know, you know, what that means. Um, uh, and how it's going to play out and the longstanding implications it may have. But I definitely think what it says is that particularly in the U.S., um, you don't see these same companies having these issues um, in, their, in the European market, for example, where regulatory uh, structures are much stronger than they are here. But in the U.S., um, there's definitely going to be some challenges for the finance sector in avoiding lawsuits if they were to attempt to do something so publicly. Um, I, that's that's kind of a discouraging thing to hear. Is there, I mean, is there a, an obvious remedy to that? And and then I kind of also feel like there are lawsuits to be had on the other side of that, also, right? <laughs> like not not taking action could result in lawsuits. Well, sure, and that's you know um, that that's been what they've also been faced with, right? Um, and I would also say that. Let's be clear, many of these financial organizations are engaging in those kinds of agreements and are interested in this to begin with because they don't want to lose money. And, you know, we're talking about pretty substantive losses coming down the pipeline from, an, um, you know, from, from climate change or the impacts of climate change. And so I think that's why I said it's a little too early to know how this is all going to play out. I think, you know, some of the things that they were trying to do, like ESG, um, which is the process by which they incorporate environmental, social, and governance factors into their risk assessing process um, for investments. Um, that sort of 
was commandeered particularly by um, more conservative folks that are more conservative. Um, and um, I think what we might see is a retraction of sort of these public descriptions of what they're doing, but I don't think it's necessarily going to go away. I think what they're going to do, it's a possibility, I should say, that what they're going to do is retract from these very public statements, but then um, figure out another way to sort of rebrand or talk about in a different way what it is they're trying to do. Because the threat to their bottom line is real from climate change, and they're trying to figure out how to mitigate that. At the same time, they don't want to increase their uh, risk or open themselves up to lawsuits. That's the familiar voice of Ashley Ward, director of the Heat Policy Innovation Hub at Duke's Nicholas Institute. And we're talking environment and sustainability in general. And um, I understand there's something that you wanted to talk about. So we're gonna, we, we've got a little bit of time left here. So I wanted to go ahead and turn it over to you to change the subject here. Well, speaking of environment and sustainability, um, you know, the town of Hillsborough, along with uh, several community organizations, putting on a wonderful event this April the, called the Climate Change Passport. And the purpose of it is around, of course, Earth Day. And it's a month-long schedule of events or very small events in the town of Hillsborough to raise awareness. Um, and it also supports, you know, so, sort of Hillsborough's resolution of a 100% clean energy by 2050 and to foster a resilient and sustainable community. And so there are lots of really awesome events that they've scheduled to either to both celebrate some of the work that's going on uh, and also help people get educated on what they can do. So some of the events, you know, involve like the Orange County Historical Museum, um, but there's and, and, and local shops like Purple Crow Books. Um, there will be different book readings and uh, different activities around that. There's also things on electric vehicles and walks along the river walk um, and with the farmer's market and even the wastewater treatment plant. So there's all kinds of really great stuff on solar panels and bees and different talks going on throughout the month. And so um, if people would like to learn more about what those activities are, there, there is a Facebook and an Instagram right now um, at Hillsborough Climate Change. Um, that's how you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. And they will be putting up a website and all kinds of other information. Uh, it's called the Hillsborough Climate Challenge Passport. And so I hope that lots of folks will come out throughout the month of April in Hillsborough and learn all about different sustainability practices and thinking about what they can do individually to combat the impacts of climate change. That definitely sounds like the sort of thing that we'll have some more coverage of here on 97.9 The Hill. So I look forward to learning more about that. Um, Ashley, we got about a minute left. What have you got coming up in the next couple of weeks before our next visit? So I'm headed soon to back down to Florida, to Miami. It's the time again for the uh, Miami uh, Aspen Climate Ideas, um, which takes place every um, March in Miami. And this is a really interesting um, meeting that's put on by the Aspen Institute because it brings together a lot of folks from the private sector. And there's a lot of startups and people who are working on different technological solutions around climate change. Um, they usually bring in some pretty big names and uh, have some really great speakers. Vice President Kamala Harris was there last year, for example. 
And so I am really excited to be attending um, Climate Ideas again, and I'm actually hosting a roundtable while I'm there um, for a small group of folks from the private sector and the philanthropic and public sectors talking about the roles that each of those play with respect to climate change and specifically for extreme heat. So um, always a great time and, and busy getting prepared for what that's going to be. And look forward to hearing about it after you've been there. Ashley, great stuff as always. Thanks for making time for us and have a great couple of weeks. Thanks so much. You too.